You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. It's Locked On Hornets, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network, and you can subscribe to the pod on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and you can follow us on Twitter, at Lockdown Hornets, at Walker Mail, at Nada the Scribe as well. Now, we don't have Nada today. He's busy doing other things. So he ditched us on this Friday, last minute. It's fine. Totally cool. I'm over it. But now we'll welcome the OG Walker in a way that you thought it was going to be every single fr- every other Friday, but we actually gave you a little bit of a present. It's going to be David Walker joining me today. Find him on Twitter, at David B. Walker. Thanks so much uh, for hopping on with me, man, and, uh, and helping me out with uh, Nada ditching us. Definitely. It wasn't me, right? Like, do I need to reach out? Do I need to get in? Do I need to slide into his DMs and see if we're cool? Or you think it's all good? I, I think it's all good. You might want okay. to slide in his DMs. What's funny of is course. you and I were having this conversation about, hey, it's just going to be us two. And it was bo- all three of us in one DM and not as just watching us play in his DMs and not contributing. Like, that's just what not is doing. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so maybe it is you, David. I didn't right, think it was. Right. I thought the last two shows were good that you came Me on too. with us. But. Just too much Just too much in a row. That's cool. We'll get back to every other week after this. But there was too much to talk about. We got All-Star coming up. That's, you know, that's my thing. It is your thing. I love that it's your thing, too, because it, it gives us somebody to like. It's our go-to All-Star guest who can talk about all things that weekend. We can talk about the jerseys. We can talk about the actual concept of the captains picking the teams i want to get uh, to all of that we'll get to that in the second segment we'll make that the meat of the sandwich today but first i do want to discuss um kind of the first half recaps david because man <laughs> what an awesome first half it was for charlotte hornets basketball even the people that were full throttle Lamelo ball take him at three overall and even trade up for him even those people you couldn't have expected him to perform this well malik monk came on strong as soon as he entered the rotation Terry Rozier had the best season of his career last year and then blew that out of the water with the way that he played in the first half of this season. Gordon Hayward, at at least now, I mean, he's playing up to the level of that contract. And so a lot of really good things happening with this Hornets team. Uh, What are your overall thoughts on the first half? Maybe the way that your expectations changed? Is it all LaMelo for you? Your overall things that just come to the top of the dome when you look back at the first 35 games or so? Yeah, I mean, LaMelo has to be at the top of the list, I think, because he's just been so electric and so much fun. And he's given this team a huge spark, you know, every time he's on the floor. It's just undeniable. Like, LaMelo gets talked about every single day. I've talked about it with you guys before. You guys have talked about it every day, too. So he's got to be at the top of the list. But another guy you mentioned for me um, was Malik Monk. I mean, honestly, if you would have asked me what is more likely to have happened, it's LaMelo take the league by storm or, um, you know, Monk actually be a solid rotation player. You know, I I thought Malik Monk was done. Like, I sold all my stock. I know that you guys were still still holding on, and I'm so happy that he's been able to not only perform like one or two nights here and there, but to put it together, right? And to sound like he's actually putting in the work on the court, off the court, uh, and being a, a professional, not, not to like chastise him, but we've all been rooting for that. And we've all been rooting for him to be that instant offense guy off the bench. And especially for this team, who's never really had that, especially at the, at the two-guard spot, right? Um, 
it's great to see that. So I think Malik Monk has just been such a great surprise for everyone, and it's really been fun to watch. And you could depend on him, Walker. You know what I mean? Like, I know everyone's been looking for him to be the guy since the draft, but you just could not count on it being there every night. And then you look at this last road trip in particular, and he's doing it. I mean, he's really performing at that level that you need from a rotation guy. Yeah, he really is. I, I love that he's arrived, and I love that it's every single game. And when you yeah. talked about him showing up in that Miami Heat game where he was responsible for them coming back and beating Miami in the fourth quarter, an incredible performance, and then hitting that three, falling away baseline, there was probably, what, maybe a 10-game stretch in between then and then when he started scoring 20 consistently. Now mm-hmm. we're talking about games he, – he scored, what was it, 18-19 against Minnesota – and that was one of the worst games that he's played in the last seven or eight. <laughs> right. And he scored 19 right. points in that game. You're totally right. And when you look back at this West Coast road trip, this is what me and Nada were talking about yesterday. We did the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week, and we had a hell of a time trying to figure out if it should go to LaMelo, who it's not fatigue by any means. That's not the sure. right word. But we're certainly used to giving him all of the love. And then Malik shows up in an even bigger way. Like, I think he's been good ever since he entered the rotation again. But even this past week, it was bananas for Malik. The game winner against Sacramento, uh, the quarter and the half that he had against the Phoenix Suns. He's just been awesome. And so you could have given it to either one of those guys. Each of them would have been deserving. Do you think it was those two players? And then even the Charlotte Hornets as a whole, David, do you think um, <laughs> that the reputation for a couple of different players and the team actually changed a little bit, that the, the uh, direction of this team was a lot more positive because of this West Coast road trip? Yes, and absolutely. I mean, you look at, you know, you lost Gordon Hayward for a little while, and right. no team is going to be at full strength when they're losing key guys. But this team is able to – bring in guys that can somewhat fill the gap even when that's happening. And then the fun thing about that uh, Minnesota game, I thought, was when Gordon came in. I mean, he almost ended that game by himself in the first quarter. And that's going a little overboard. But he was hitting shot after shot after shot. And he's been dealing with so many injuries. And he has been the – you know, he was the key free agent signing, the big name signing. that got a lot of hate uh, in the offseason. But he's delivered. Uh, Terry Rozier, uh, you mentioned, I think, before the show, has been unbelievable. It's it's crazy to think that Terry Rozier probably overtook Gordon Hayward in terms of will he or won't he maybe get into the all-star conversation, you know, right up until the vote. But that's how good Terry Rozier has been. And it's it's wild to see those two guys. You know, I was thinking, like, the other day, does Danny Ainge ever, like, when he's alone in his lair all by himself, does he ever think – I know he doesn't because he's never wrong, but does he ever think, man – we, it would have been nice to keep those guys. And nobody's crying for him. He's got Tatum and Brown and Kemba. They're doing fine. Uh, but to see those two guys performing at such a high level for this team is awesome. And I think you're right, though. The whole team, right? I mean, you guys could have given it. You guys could have gone to Atlanta Hawks all-star bids on this team because the collective has been so awesome. Um, I was playing NBA 2K with my son the other day. And you know when you're playing 2K and, like, the subs come in and like, you know, your, your star players go out and you just want to sub the guys back in immediately. Yeah. You, you press start and immediately. Hornets. You're right. Exactly. Yeah. You don't have to do that with the Hornets anymore because everybody that comes in, it's a fun group. Uh, and I, I think that's been the biggest thing. Who would have thought league wide, the Charlotte Hornets would be the most fun team. It, it's impossible. Well, and, and here's the thing for me, I think you look back and if you just break it down player by player, who is the player that has had just an outright disappointing season because 
for me, Terry has exceeded it, uh, the expectations. Mm -hmm. Gordon Hayward, Malik Monk, LaMelo Ball, Miles Bridges. Then you get to PJ and Devontae, and I think those would be Mm -hmm. the two most popular answers. Uh, For me, with PJ, it's funny you look at his overall numbers. They're not bad. I mean, they're fine. Right. <laughs> and that's it's funny when we talk about him having an up-and-down season, and I, I agree with that. I think there's been some moments where P.J. Uh, hasn't looked good at the beginning of the season. Then I think he was playing well. After he came back from injury, there was a four-game stretch where, man, he was only making two field goals at most despite taking a decent amount. And then he gives you a 40-point game against Sacramento. Um, you know, He's had a little bit of an up-and-down season, a little inconsistent, but it's not a bad year. And Devontae, it's funny that, you know, the shooting slump, it was real bad at the beginning of the season. But then you can even point to the advanced stats for him, and those numbers are on his side. And so my point being, you know, maybe if you want to try to, you know, try to nitpick and take the magnifying glass out and look for guys that were disappointing, you might go to Cody Martin, who ended the season pretty well last year. But that's it. Everybody – has done what you had hoped for and really more so um, when you look at this overall and collectively. And I think that's something you got to be really excited about when looking at the Charlotte Hornets team. Um, I want to get to uh, a couple of other things with you on the other side of the break. We got to get to All-Star Weekend for sure. And we also have to get to uh, Nikola Vucevic. I want your take on whether they should trade Mm. for an All-Star that made the game this season. But first, I want to discuss Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online AG uh, has the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL. They're all in full swing. They have real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your uh, bets, and it's free to sign up. You can head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts, promo code locked on. We have plenty more coming up on the Locked On Hornets podcast right after this. This is Locked On Hornets. So if you don't believe in the moon landing, Mm -hmm. then what would you say is the greatest human achievement? I think the greatest achievement of all time, Vince Carter doing 360s clockwise rather than counterclockwise. It's really tough. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Today on the Locked on Today podcast, Big Ben is back in yellow and black. Is that a good thing for the Pittsburgh Steelers? You can get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked on Today podcast. Subscribe to Locked on Today wherever you get your pods. Uh, David, me and Nada talked about Nikola Vucevic yesterday, and it was reported by Sham Serenia of The Athletic that your boy, Danny Ainge, he inquired about Nikola, but also the Charlotte Hornets did. Apparently they are interested. And look, I don't know why you wouldn't be interested in somebody like Vucevic, right? Somebody that's having, uh, talk about a career year, 25 points per game, 12 rebounds per game, 41% from three, uh, a nuts offensive season for sure from Nikola Vucevic. Are you interested in the Charlotte Hornets trading what it would give up? He did also tweet out that rival teams expect it would take a massive haul to go get Nikola Vucevic with uh, two more years on his deal after this one. Good contract. Yeah. We talked about it yesterday. $24 million next season, 22 the year after that. So it is descending as he gets older, and that's always a good thing. All-encompassing, uh, David, what do you think about the possibility and whether you would like if the Hornets uh, went after Vooch? Well, 
as our friend Doug Branson noted on Twitter yesterday, you know, Booch has been playing in relative obscurity down in Orlando for basically his entire career, and he's been producing, right? So there's no doubt that he's an all-star level talent. And I think right now, especially, like if Lamelo hasn't been doing this, if, if he had not been the, you know, uh, superstar in the making that we think he is up to this point, then I think you can more easily pump the brakes on any of this talk. But my thing is, this clock, it feels like it's going to be ticking louder and louder with each passing day. And at some point, they are going to have to look at how do we put some more pieces around LaMelo? What is the core going to be with LaMelo? And the biggest hole you see on a night-in, night-out basis is that center position. I mean, one reason is they just didn't provide the depth there without Cody Zeller. You know, there's a real big drop-off with Biz trying to do what he can down there. So, yeah, I mean, I'm interested. Um, it, what are you going to have to give up? That's always the question. You know, I think you've clearly got a couple tiers of guys on this team now where you may be able to, you may be more willing to part ways with than you maybe uh, were prior to LaMelo and kind of this rebirth, reshaping of the roster happening. So to your point, yeah, you got to be looking. And I think Vooch, you know, I think it makes a lot of sense. Can he be like a, can he be like a Joker light or a Joker East for, for, for a good team trying to climb the ladder? I mean, why not? I mean, Orlando is going to want to haul as they should. So uh, it's just going to be up to Mitch as to how fast he's going to push this thing, right? Like his move so far, which has been good, has it been to sit back and chill and not do anything. And, 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 and the more hype that gets around LaMelo, the closer we get the next season with all the expectations, that's going to be the question. What are you going to put around him? So you got to start looking. Yeah, and and I'm actually going to release an extra point about this today on 7.30 the game about trading for him. It makes more sense than the Russell Westbrook rumors did. You know, I, oh God. I th- that was that was so Oh, God, atrocious. we dodged a bullet. <laughs> <laughs> we really yeah. dodged a bullet on that one. And I was for that. Like, that was how crazy it was. <laughs> it was so bad. I was, I was obviously all the way not for trading for Russell right. Westbrook. I think I tre- uh, tweeted out on draft night, uh, the worst case scenario is that you trade up to number one to go get somebody. And the real worst case scenario, the actual real one, is that 100%. you trade for Russell Westbrook and then I ugly cry. Uh, I'm glad that we did not do that. So this isn't – and even even hindsight makes that look worse than it was then. And it was still pretty bad in my opinion. But this isn't that, right? Like th- this is a contract no. where next season he's going to be making $24 million at the age of 31. You know, I, I've – I've been more conservative, not to let go of young talent, not to let go of these picks. That's that's been my mo. You know, I did the math nerd thing, and I was in favor. If there was a good deal, like on draft night, I wanted to trade back. That was stupid, but I wanted to trade back if there was going to be a good deal, not these Danny Ainge deals where hey, we'll give you a second. No, you're you're going right. to get more than that. Um, but in, but Lamelo Ball, I, I liked the fit. You know, I, I and I liked all of that happening for the Hornets, and it's worked out. I mean, again, it's been overwhelming how talented and how fun he's been for this team. And then when you talk about acquiring all-star talent, Vooch has been awesome. But for me, I don't think the ceiling is worth it to mortgage what would be a significant part of your future. And offensively, again, me and Nada were talking about this. I don't think offensively the Hornets are having any kind of problem. You know, they, they've mm. been really good on that end of the floor. And the Hornets are constantly giving up franchise single game records for three points hit to the other team. And, you know, the Jazz did it twice. 
and you know, Portland, <laughs> Portland did it. I Memphis did it. it it's it's insane. I, I it's gonna yeah. be it's gonna be hilarious to look back on this at the end of the season and see how many times that was done. But the reason is, is Borrego's like, look, man, I've got to pack the paint because if we go out there on shooters then you guys are going to be arguing and making fun of us for allowing 60% of the shots that are taken in the paint to be hit at a high clip, and we're just going to be seeing Dunk City all the time. And I don't want to see that. And, and Vooch doesn't help that. Defensively, he's never been good, really. I mean, he's been fine and, and probably average this year, and it's been among the best defensive seasons. And I think that's what I look at because offensively, again, he's nuts. He actually can put the ball on the deck a little bit. Um, you know, the, the LaMelo ball thing, I, I watched a little bit of a more film of Vooch yesterday. I, I kind of was worried about the fit, but I'm like, you know what? That fit is actually going to be just fine. You know, it, yeah. fit with a lot of players, I, it's, it's not as clunky as I thought it might be. Um, but even, even all that, I just don't want to give up a PJ, a miles, a first round pick, a protected first round pick, a couple of seconds to go along with some of that, a Devante an expiring contract. I don't think it's right time now. You know, this, if, if we want to go after somebody next season and then trade for a player to help LaMelo Ball, one, stay in Charlotte, and also just give him talent to appease the superstar, the, the lone superstar you've had since coming back, then okay. I just don't think now is the time. And, and we'll see if Mitch Kupchak agrees with that. Yeah, I mean, this is more appealing to me than um, an Andre Drummond talk. <laughs> You know, oh God, yes. Um, yes. which is out there as well, and it probably will be out there. I, I, this feels like the last trade deadline or season uh, approaching that Mitch will be able to to kind of sit still. And so you kind of want to be like, let's just ride this out. Best case scenario, this group right gets some playoff experience, which is invaluable, which no one <laughs> has on this team. You know, except for for Gordon Hayward, uh, of course. You know, Scary Terry did his work in Boston there, so. I definitely hear that. You don't want to mortgage the – you don't want to give up everything uh, to bring Vooch in. But if you can get an all-star player, if you can improve your roster at that point um, without having to give too much, it is something you, you definitely have to look at. I mean, imagine – and your point to the fit point, right, Walker? I mean, you always have to worry about that, but it doesn't it look like anybody you throw in there with Lamelo is going to fit <laughs> fine. And if he can catch a ball on a pick and roll, I mean, hello. Yes. You know, that, that, that's what we like. That was my only requirement when we were talking about this two days ago. If you can catch a basketball, you can right. play with LaMelo ball. And, and, and again, well. yeah. And, and again, I was questioning that a little bit with Vooch. I just, you know, the, the lack of switchability and the, the, the lack of athleticism, even though it's not, it's not the worst in the world. You know, that's what I was kind of questioning. But again, those pick and rolls where the pick and pop is what I'd be most mm -hmm. excited about. We have LaMelo driving to the lane. I talked about it again. LaMelo gives you that over the left shoulder pass back yeah. out as soon as he's driving to the basket. And PJ Washington's been the beneficiary of that. I believe Terry has maybe a, a, certainly a few times. So yeah. um, that would be really exciting. Um, all right. Well, let's go to one more segment. I want to make it a long third segment because we got still a lot to talk about. But first, we need to discuss Blue Chew. Blue Chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom. Make it spicy, Blue Chew. It's a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets combat all forms of ED and can help men gain extra confidence for when it's time to perform. So Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. Nobody's going to know. 
The process is simple. You sign up at BlueChew.com and consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And then once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And the best part, it's all done online. Bluetooth's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. Don't like swallowing the pills, then there's no problem there either. Bluetooth's uh, sildenafil and tadalafil, I can't even pronounce this, tadalafil tablets are chewable. It doesn't matter how you pronounce them. They're going to work for you. Bluetooth's tablets are made in the USA and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. So if you could benefit from the extra confidence when it's time to uh, perform, Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important, and, and important safety information. And we've got a special deal for our listeners, too. Try BlueChew free when you use our promo code LOCKEDON at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's it. That's BlueChew.com, promo code LOCKEDON to receive your first month free. And we thank BlueChew for sponsoring the podcast. One more segment to go on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. You are listening to the Lockdown Hornets podcast. And that was also a connection of a connection because the new Carolina Panthers owner, David Tepper, looks like the guy trying to defuse the bomb at the elementary school in Die Hard with a Vengeance, which I thought looked like John Hurd, a.k.a. Kevin McAllister's dad. A.k.a. Peter McAllister. I never would have got that. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. When you need fantasy basketball advice, it's important that you have a reliable source. More people trust Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast, than any other fantasy basketball podcast. You can subscribe to the number one fantasy basketball podcast, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, whenever you get your pods. It's my favorite read, and I will continue to say it every single time. So, All-Star Weekend, David. It's going to be – I think it's going to be fun. You know, it's always so exciting. We kind of got your thoughts on the excitement level for you this week. Um, March 7th, I believe. Is is that the game? Is is that when uh, the game is actually going to be played? Good question. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad we did some research before. We are very. <laughs> yeah, prepared. March seventh. March seventh. That's, that's it. That's what I thought. All right. I was. Yeah. I was so uncomfortable going with that. But March seventh. That's going to be the All Star game. And we saw the jerseys. Let's start there. Let's start with the duds. I. I dub you the fashion expert of this podcast. We go to you well, for the shoe talk. We go to you for the jersey talk and the duds. I love talking about it as well. Man, these are a flop. And I don't, I don't know if you feel, uh, I don't know if you think this too, David, but I, I, I don't want to be a hater on these jerseys all the time because I love, I love the louder, the, the better for the jerseys. Yeah. There's so many times out there that, uh, you know, there people will be hating on jerseys for just going too crazy and going the extra mile. I think that's what it's about, you know, especially the city oh, edition yeah. jerseys and stuff. I, I want massive creativity because that's how you stumble upon an insane color scheme at the time that made the Charlotte Hornets so famous. You know, it was like, what? Purple and teal? That's weird. But it worked out, and I think that's how you stumble across some great things. And yet still, I, I don't want to be a hater of innovative jerseys. And they just don't, they don't ever try to go outside the box, David. I, I feel like we haven't gotten too many great all-star jerseys really in the entire uh, history of the game. We haven't gotten any as of late, and that's particularly surprising when you think about the fact that the Jordan brand took over construction, design, whatever you want to call it, of these all-star jerseys maybe four or five years ago, uh, and then included the, the, the ones they wore here in Charlotte and the ones they wore the year before that, which if you remember were black and white. You know, it was yeah. super plain. It was a huge logo on the chest, which I hate. 
Um, you know, they did incorporate, especially in Charlotte, they had a throwback kind of imprint on the side of the old, like the 1991 all-star game logo that was in Charlotte, but it was invisible. <laughs> like you literally <laughs> could not see it unless you, you had the light hit it the right way. So for these, and just to tell people what we're talking about, they're, they're basically like a, a takeoff or a throwback on some of the old, it looks like Indiana Pacers themed jerseys, right? Really Those does. are the ones you yeah. saw, the yellow and blue, which makes sense because this game was supposed to be in Indianapolis. COVID hit. They moved it out from there. They're, they're playing in Atlanta. I, I kind of get that they don't have time to maybe redo things. Um, one way would be to have all the players wear their own jerseys, which they did for a few years. That wasn't my biggest you know, uh, thumbs up either Walker. Cause I'm like, you like, I think the all-star jerseys should have some, uh, meanings to be a little special. And so on the one hand, I like where they were going with this. They were going for something city driven. They were going for something that would have thrown back to an old Jersey that the Pacers wore, but it just looks like they half-assed it. I mean, that's the biggest thing I see these every year. I'm like, they didn't even, You're they didn't so try. Right, they didn't yeah. complete the, they didn't complete the shot. And if you look back last year, you remember, they're not having the Rising Stars game this year, of course, but those jerseys were good. Like mm -hmm. last year in Chicago and the year before that, those jerseys have been better than the actual All-Star game. So I, I cannot for the life of me figure out what the plan is with these because they're either half-assing it or they're just not, you know, putting – and that, that can't be true, right? <laughs> like Jordan Brand, Nike, these people are not just like throwing something out at the end of the day. This is something going into the planning. The execution has just fallen way short. No, you make a good point. I didn't even think about the Indiana Pacers side of things just because of the pandemic hitting us the way it yeah. did. I completely forgot about it happening in Indianapolis. And I, I like that too. You're, I think you're right. Like, I, I think that's really cool to try to hone in on whatever the host city's jerseys yeah. features are and try to incorporate that somehow. You know, for me, when even you – let's say you go to Atlanta and – I, I'm not going to chastise the NBA for not having enough time to change the design. Sure. I don't know what goes all into that. But, for instance, if we're just using Atlanta as an example, because that's where they're playing, man, give me, like, the 90s big red mm -hmm. hawk type of feature mm -hmm. that goes in there. And I don't know how you incorporate it, but that's not what I'm getting paid for. So I don't right. know how you do it, but feature that somehow and then make these things yeah. loud. Make these things pop. Give us some kind of cool design, and it just doesn't happen a lot. It's funny because you would think the NBA – would have a pulse on the fans' opinions of the greatest jerseys of all time. And there's a reason why you still see freaking Alamo Dome jerseys out there being worn right. consistently. Like, yeah. that's, that shit is loud, man. <laughs> you know, you got yeah. a cactus on the jersey and people are digging it. And, and that's what I don't get. The NBA doesn't seem to have a pulse on what the public would really, what would, what would really attract them. And, and, and yet they've done it before and then they start to – kind of go away from that and that's what I don't get yep. the most yeah exactly and if you think back to the last time this game was in Atlanta it was Michael Jordan's last game uh Kevin Garnett was the MVP MJ had a shot down at the one end of the baseline to potentially win the game and then I think KG uh hit a shot to 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 take it away from at the end there but in that game Walker they wore throwback classic like 80 45 86 all-star uniforms and they were very plain very traditional but they were, you know, the red, white, and blue. They had two yeah. stars on the side. And they looked awesome. They looked crispy. And it was because during that time, you think back to that time, that was the big throwback era, right? Or at least the tail end of it. So that's yeah. what was going on then. What's going on now is like a throwback to the 90s, right? So, like, you look back at those San Antonio Alamo Dome jerseys. Do something like that. Um, they've done it before. And they just – they don't do it now. I think it would be cool 
to your point, like if you're playing in Atlanta, you have an Atlanta Hawks type jersey in red, white, and blue, or you have a all-star jersey in the Hawks colors. You know, you, you flip it. You do it that way to, to incorporate the team and the league, and you make it special for that one year. Um, they got to get this thing right because the, the uniforms are getting killed every year. And it's, it's actually hilarious, but it's just at the same time. It, it's, everybody's shaking their head. Uh, yeah, and speaking of trying to incorporate the the city color scheme, how sweet would have All Star purple and teal jersey been here in Charlotte? Exactly. I mean, exactly. That would have been as fire as any jersey that had been released uh, recently by an All Star uh, weekend or an event. Um, we yep. saw we saw uh, captains yesterday, LeBron James and Kevin Durant pick both of their teams do you like this concept david would you rather go back to east versus west or do you kind of like the concept of televising the all-star draft and having the number one vote getters for each side uh be able to pick their teams it just feels like right now they're trying to get one soundbite out of the whole thing and like so last night it was the utah thing right where <laughs> yeah. i guess donovan mitchell and gobert were the last two picked lebron james says you never picked <laughs> the utah jazz <laughs> when you play video games uh <laughs> And, and it's like, especially this year, it's tough because these two guys are sitting on their couch or, or in the gym in a chair by themselves. And it's, there's just not a lot of energy. There hasn't been. So I, I, get the, I get why they did it. I'm not sure that it really still holds a place. Uh, I'm more of a traditionalist. I say just do East and West, I think. It, but, you know, you know, people freaked out because it was, the, the West was dominating. So we have, to, we have to focus on changing the all-star game <laughs> to make it more competitive. It's just crazy. They, went, they jumped through all these hoops to do that. And I think if you want to do that, you, you do it at the game. You know, blacktop style. So you do the warm-ups. Oh, that's and, sick. That's a good idea. And everybody's got two jerseys. And then you just start picking. Then you get to see the face of Donovan Mitchell when he's the last one picked. I mean, I think that's what you're going for. You're just you're not going all the way. That's a great idea. And, yeah, you televise all of that. And then you have them pick blacktop style. And then now Donovan yep. Mitchell doesn't have a few days to sit on it and then get over right. it. Or hide his feelings about it. about it yep now now you know you're getting a pass from lebron james after he made you the last pick or whatever and you gotta you gotta deal with it i like that idea yeah. uh, a lot so that would be hilarious um one thing i, I want to get to you to uh get uh your opinion on first before we end today's podcast me and nada we're talking about this actually uh i think off of the podcast it was the story of a 19 year old who his mom actually worked high up in nike Okay, would obviously get the discount, uh, the employee discount, the employer discount with Nike. And then her 19-year-old son would use that discount to buy shoes and then, of course, resell them and would make a huge profit off of it. And some funny business for sure going on in that whole entire situation. And then, of course, was dumb enough to welcome an interview about it. David, I know you're more up to date on this a little bit more than I am with some of the information. What did you make of this story and what are some of the details you found uh, hilarious as well as uh, maybe troublesome? Yeah, this has been crazy, Walker. I mean, this was in the New York Times. I mean, it started out as a, a Bloomberg Business Week piece. So anytime there's a story like that about sneakers or like sneaker culture and stuff, you know, people that pay attention to sneakers, you, you kind of shake your head because like a lot of these articles are, are you know, they miss a lot of the point and, and, they're, and they're usually focused on how people are, are getting rich, you know, making quick money, you know, flipping things and making a profit off them, which is exactly what this one was. And it interviewed this kid, Joe, I guess Hebert, Hebert, um, West Coast Joe, <laughs> as he's known now, <laughs> um, 
Uh, and he basically, he had a reselling business, right? He was a 19 year old who dropped out of school, University of Oregon to be a reseller and to apparently just flex on Instagram. Uh, Cause that's a lot of what it was. And so this article talked about how he, uh, you know, used his mom's credit card for a hundred thousand dollars in shoes. And what he was doing Walker was buying up shoes that were not, you know, exorbitant amounts of reselling. So he'd buy something and make a smaller profit, but just in a huge volume. So he's using his mom's Amex. I don't think it was like a Nike corporate card, but yeah, she's a VP yeah. and general manager for North America of Nike. <laughs> so she's up there. So this kid clearly did not care about shoes. Otherwise, you know, he just, his mom's, his hookup, right? Any shoe he wanted, he got it. So it wasn't about the shoes. It was just about flipping stuff. And you see this a lot from, especially like, uh, you know, these resellers who get on Instagram and they want to pose in front of a billion boxes, which is what he did. They want to pose in front of their warehouse, which is what he did. And so this all came out. It came out that his mom was high up at Nike. Questions started being asked. And there's just too many connections between what she has access to and what he was able to do. You're talking about like stock numbers in uh, outlet stores. You're talking about when things may go on sale. So he's got an inside information on, you know, when best to pounce on that stuff to turn a quick buck. And so Nike knew about this. I mean, that's the, that's the joke. I mean, the joke is on, you know, all of us trying to buy sneakers really is Nike knew about this. They don't care about resellers. They don't care that you can't get a shoe on Saturday. They don't care that you go in the sneakers app and catch an L. I think they actually prefer it. You know, it's just yeah. more, it's just generating more talk and more attention where they got in trouble with this one where people are like, wait a second, you know, uh, this lady is high up at Nike, her son, she's obviously aware of this going on and doing nothing to stop it. So they didn't care about it when she told them about it. They cared about it when uh, this blew up in the New York Times and it blew up in uh, Bloomberg Business Week. So she's definitely not the only person that uh, is doing something in the area of this at Nike. And so there's just a real like trust factor. I think with people, they're already mad at Nike anyway, cause they can't get what they want. So, right. you know, we had a question last week about sneaker culture and stuff like this really is ruining the fun out of buying sneakers, being able to collect them, just being able to get your hands on them. When you see somebody who has the access to it, her job Walker, one of her main goals was to drive business out of mom and pop stores to Nike's direct to consumer uh, business through through their website, through their stores, through through sneakers. So she was in charge of all of that. And then on the back end, you're having somebody that she's related to using her credit card to funnel a reselling business. Whew. I mean, yeah, people were heated. Yeah. People well, were heated. Yeah. And I can understand why. You know, for me, I've always been a Nike guy and I've always had brand loyalty. That's just what I what I was growing up. Sure. And it's it's not it's not necessarily the same anymore, but I love Nike. I've always been a fan of the of Nike apparel. And, you know, David, what would you say is the reputation of Nike, I don't know, 10 years and 20 years ago compared to where it is now with some of the slimy stuff that you hear about every once in a while and maybe even just the overall attractiveness as it competes with other brands? Yeah, I mean, they're still the top dog, right? They're still yeah. going to be at the top of the mountain of Adidas, you know, over Adidas, Reebok, Converse, New Balance, whoever you want to talk about. And a lot of that has been their storytelling. I mean, they're a marketing company, you know, when you get down to it and they do the best job of telling their stories, selling their shoes and their, and their way of life. So that hasn't changed. The frustration with sneaker 
head, sneaker people, and you know, specifically has changed. To be honest, it's probably such a small group about, you know, within their overall uh, tent of people who who buy from them and, and they're certainly their shareholders don't don't give a damn. So like <laughs> they're gonna keep going forward and sneaker people are not gonna stop buying it. So like there's more frustration with them. You'll see more uh, volatility towards them on Twitter, you know, on Saturdays, but guess what? next Saturday, people are going through the same damn thing again, <laughs> you right. know? So like, so like they've got them, it's, it's an addiction. Uh, and so I'm speaking from personal experience here for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, you're on the therapy couch right now and you're venting oh to me about God. the problems in your yeah. life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but to, to your point, they're, they're so huge, right? So, so changing is hard, but, but, but that negativity has crept in. And I think now that people have seen this for real, they're going to have to have some sort of um uh, of clarity around how this stuff is happening because i mean stuff like this you know makes people mad and who knows like stuff changes fast now like i never thought it would before so maybe we'll see some change out of this but uh but yeah people are people are not having it anymore yeah no uh completely hear you and i understand why that wraps up this edition of lockdown hornets david thanks for joining me man always fun to have you glad that we were able to do it even sooner than we thought going every other friday gonna bring you on uh this friday to talk some all-star stuff maybe we can recap it again next weekend but uh really appreciate the time man definitely i'm gonna reach out to nada i'm gonna apologize and mend these bridges i don't i don't i don't know what happened <laughs> but please do because yeah. I, I want all of, us, uh, all of us to be friends again i don't know why that happened <laughs> but yeah please try to fix all of that tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of locked on nba or really any show on the locked on podcast network have a great weekend we'll be back with you on monday